Wasn't that excellent? You, did you see how ready Matthew was? That is so fabulous to see. I love it. You can't just, you just can't get enough of that. Uh, it's beautiful. It's so fabulous to see. And God is doing great things in people's lives. We see it. We've been uh, baptizing people uh, fairly regularly of late, and that is wonderful. God's work, and he's doing something. He always is. He never stops. We heard uh, Brother Noah talking as he prayed, saying, you know, God's not the God of just the past, and he's not some God who's just going to show up in the future, but he's present now in the here and now, and doing things in lives. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, This morning, we are going to look forward to communion. We're going to get into God's word. Uh, We're uh, moving into the fall season. That's somewhat that has uh, driven a a theme to preach. A few weeks back, if you were here, I mentioned a person that I met who was a farmer. I met this farmer, and this man uh, had such a passion for farming. Even though he had uh, he had started out on a farm, grew up on a farm, and uh, was a farmer in his younger years, he was called to be a pastor. He was a farmer pastor for a while, then had to go into full-time uh, pastoring because his church was just growing and growing. Uh, then when he, after 38 years in the church, decided to make a transition, he stepped back into farming with his son, and he was talking about it, and he just had this passion, a glint in his eye, saying, I love seeds. I love seeds. And that just, it struck me, and it's been something that I've thought about very often. But he, he, he said, I invest in seeds, and he loved the planting time. But he said, without seeds, there is no harvest. We can't just expect a harvest and not think about what comes before it, the planting and, and, and the work that's uh, all involved. And that little anecdote from a few weeks ago, that led into considering a parable, a story that Jesus told about a farmer, a guy scattering seed, and how that person scattering the seed scattered it where some fell on a hard place, the path, some fell into a rocky place, uh, some other seed fell among the thorns, but other seed, it fell on good soil. And so a crop grew up and there was a harvest that was produced. Well, here we are, we're in the fall season. It is harvest time. And if you go just a little bit north of us, you can't miss it. Fresh-picked apples and corn and a few weeks up in the, the thick of the thumb of Michigan. All the sugar beets are going to be harvested. Uh, throughout Michigan, there's cherries and there's grapes and there's blueberries and there's peaches and there's pumpkins and there's so much, so much uh, of other crops that are they're here to be harvested now. And harvest time is something that's anticipated Uh, It's looked forward to. It's celebrated. So many families have traditions. We're just reminded of some of the traditions of the cider and the donuts, going to the cider mill. That's celebrating the harvest of the apples. Or or maybe your family goes to a pumpkin patch to get a great pumpkin uh, in this season or picking other fruit at an orchard. We just mentioned the family harvest party. Harvest is a wonderful time. 
It's something every year we look forward to, we celebrate it. And in the word of God, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are images of the harvest. And those images are often used as examples for life, metaphors of life. And there are many, many lessons that can be taken from those images of harvest, lessons for our life. You'll see very briefly uh, some of those uh, examples on the back of the uh, October calendar that you received today. If you didn't, you can pick one up. And there's uh, several scriptures there that speak to the harvest. We're going to consider some of those today and in the weeks that come, talking about harvest and how this can be uh, an example in our life and what we can take about it or take from it. And this morning, we begin early, very early in the Bible, the earliest pages of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And we're going to start following the great flood, the great flood uh, that according to the uh, biblical account, uh, humanity had become corrupt and wicked. And God decided that through this catastrophic flood, he was going to cleanse the earth of its wickedness. God chose Noah. He was a righteous man. And he chose Noah to build a huge boat, an ark, to save his family, his wife and his sons and their wives, uh, to save them all from the impending uh, destruction. And along with Noah and his family went representatives of all uh, the living uh, creatures that had breath in them that God directed to that ark. And when that ark was complete, he'd taken 100 years to build it. The great flood came. And for 40 days, the the springs of the earth had uh, come up and they were erupting and the rains fell heavily and the floods came and the water rose till the waters covered the entire earth. And after that flooding stopped, after the 40 days, the waters gradually began to recede. And eventually the earth began to dry. Noah and his family were on the ark a total of 370 days. That's over a year. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine. We only had one dog in our house. That was enough. Can you imagine an ark full of animals uh, that were every kind? And uh, I just can't imagine how they smelled. It's just like, oh, you you know, that would be where you'd be like, Lord, take away that sense for a while. But Noah and his family, they were obedient to the Lord over a year on that ark and then They disembarked. God said, it's time. You can get off the ark. Everyone left. All the animals, no one is family. The ark was empty. And God made a covenant with Noah. God made a promise. Now, when that covenant of Noah is mentioned, you just say, Noah and the covenant. A couple of thoughts come to mind, I think, for most Christians. One, God promised He would never again cover the earth with a flood. And two, as a sign of God's promise, he cast a great rainbow in the sky. I came in this morning and started talking to people. They said, did you see the rainbow over the church? 
this morning. They're, lovely, yes. A double, yeah, I heard some people say a double. I know there were some saying a double. Others said, no, they saw this beautiful single rainbow. I was saying, wow, I had no, uh, I, I had no idea there was a rainbow. I didn't see it, but I knew where we were going this morning, and so did God. And I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You just, you reminded us of the covenant. So many people this morning who saw not only one, but two, you doubled down and showed them your promises are true. And the points about that covenant, that God would never destroy the earth again with the flood and he'd cast this rainbow in the sky, those are, those are true. Those are, are facts of the covenant, that promise that God made in Genesis chapter 9. But there's more to it. There is more to it. And we might miss a part of this great covenant God made if we begin in chapter 9 of Genesis and we begin to read because it reads as if God is really starting this covenant right there at uh, Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. But if we back up to Genesis chapter 8... There is a piece of the covenant, and if we don't read that, we miss, we miss something really wonderful about God's promise that he made to Noah. Uh, the earth had dried again. Everyone was off the ark. Noah was back on terra firma. He's on solid ground. Let's read what took place, but let's, let's begin in Genesis chapter 8. We need to begin there, Genesis 8 and verses 20 through 22, which complete that chapter uh, in Genesis, which begins with Noah and the flood and then talks about him getting off the ark, and then there's this, there is this promise. So Genesis 8, 20 to 22, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And that's something that just reminds me of what we heard this morning at the open, Noah brought clean birds, clean animals. He wasn't taking any defects to the Lord. He sacrificed burnt offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Now these verses, they're sort of a preamble into the covenant, the, the, the greater covenant in uh, detail that's in Genesis chapter 9. But this is beautiful. It's a fantastic, fabulous preamble. Noah worshiped God. He had gotten off the ark after over a year with all of that care and what he had to do with all of those animals and tending to them. And he offered sacrifices that were pleasing to God. And then followed this wonderful promise of God. And what stands out in this promise is that God didn't speak this promise to, Mo, to Noah. We're informed reading here at the end of Genesis chapter 8, the Lord said in his heart. Now, now this promise reveals to us the thoughts of God. It's an amazing thing to know the thoughts of God. 
God said in his heart. Some, some versions of the Bible say God said to himself. He's, he's making this vow in his heart. You know, some want to know the heart of the Father. Do you want to know the heart of the Father? The heart of the Father is expressed right here in Genesis 8. The Lord said in his heart, never again, never, I will not destroy the living creatures as I've done. And it's, it's so wonderful that this is, it's a vow of God to himself. He promised himself. It was his heart. And I just say, if God makes a promise in his heart, if God vows in his very own heart, that promise is reliable. That promise is absolute. That promise is never going to fail. A promise made to God's own heart. Never again will I destroy all the creatures as I've done, but he continued. But this vow in God's heart continue. As long as the earth remains, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they will never cease. So, so there's these four little couplets there that God made in his promise. We're assured these things are never going to cease. They're never going to stop. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night. Now my focus is going to be on that first little couplet, seed time and harvest. God has vowed to himself in his heart, planting and reaping seed time and harvest. These are going to continue. They're going to continue as long as the earth remains. Now God's faithfulness to that promise has been born out. It doesn't matter that there's been times of floods, that there have been famines and uh, droughts and such. There's always been planting and harvesting somewhere on the earth. Now, one region or another might suffer a local drought or a, a local famine, but not the whole earth. And there's ample evidence for that. God is trustworthy and faithful. He is trustworthy and faithful. Run with that this morning. Let's run with this. God's promise is trustworthy and faithful. It is the truth. Now let's apply this concept of the truth of God's promise. Let's apply it to this idea of seed time and harvest and how that, can, how that can be an example to our own lives. Seed time and harvest, as, as well as those other little couplets, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, those are images of a beginning and an end, a start and a finish. And there's some duration then in between, right? There is an interval between the beginning and the end. And in each of those little examples, each of those little couplets, th that period of time, that interval between the start and the finish, it's different. If we think of day and night from sunup to sundown, that's just hours. 
Cold and heat can be hours too. It could be seasons, but it could also just be hours if you think about a desert climate where in the, in the night it's below zero, it's freezing, and then in the daytime, hours later, it's 100 plus degrees. But then there's summer and winter. Now, the interval between summer and winter is way more than hours. It's more than days. It's months. And then there's this thing, seed time and harvest. Now, we might say, well, that's just months too. But depending on the crop, depending on what's being planted and what's uh, the, the crop that's sought, it can be, uh, it, it can be more than just a few months. Uh, and, and as we think about that, we could, we could, I'm sure, come up with examples. There's a wait. There's a wait for a, a crop. I was talking to uh, my little grandchildren yesterday. Our uh, grandchildren, Grammy, Julie, uh, she, she, put them on a, she put them on a FaceTime call to me. And I got to talk to them. She was at their house visiting. And they have this garden. So their mom and their dad had helped them with a garden this year. They planted seeds. They put in these little seeds, all tomatoes and peppers and eggplant and cucumbers. And, and I remember that earlier in the year. They were so excited. They put their seeds in. Where's the plant? Where's the plant? What's going on? Why isn't there a plant? Where's the plant? What's happening? Well, they had to learn some patience, right? Because you have to wait sometimes. There's an interval between planting and reaping. Well, then the plants showed up. The plants, where's the, where's the tomatoes? Where's the tomatoes? Where's the cucumbers? Where's the cucumbers? Where's the peppers? And then the smallest, I was there one day, the smallest little green tomatoes showed up. They're hopping the little fence, pulling these tomatoes. They're not realizing they're just not ready. They're hard. They're not ripe. But they're learning. They're still, they're still learning patience. Yesterday, uh, they picked some tomatoes and peppers and an eggplant. And so I was talking. I said, you waited for that eggplant, didn't you? And I had been over there a few times seeing this getting purple and it's getting bigger. And one of our little three-year-old twins, she said, Grandpa, it was hard to wait. Yes. And isn't that human nature? And this is coming out of a three-year-old. But it's all of us. It is hard to wait. You know, we want results now. We planted something. Man, where's the plant? Where's the fruit? Can I pick it now? Now, perhaps you've planted something. Maybe, maybe you've, you've planted into a relationship. You've invested your love and your care and your time. And, and yet you're waiting for this harvest and the results aren't showing up. You might have taken something to God in prayer. You've put down all these seeds of prayer, if you will. But you're still waiting. You're desperately desiring this harvest. You want to see some results. But you know, from seed time to harvest, it's not a precise duration. It's not an exact interval. There are these annual crops. 
like the, the eggplant and the cucumbers and, and the tomatoes, you plant them in the spring, you can expect harvest in the fall. But there are other crops. What about a, a tree, like an olive tree? From seedling to harvest, well, that's a little more than just springtime to fall. That can be years. And depending on the variety of olive tree, it might wait three, five, seven, eight years before you see an olive. But if you really want a good, nice, bountiful crop, you might have to double that. 10 years, 15 years. I visited an olive grove once and they said, 25 years, these trees, that particular tree to get the best olives, 25 years. I planted an avocado tree once. Years ago when I broke my hip and I was sitting around the house, I had nothing to do. Well, I, so I took a, a pit, the seed out of an olive or, or an avocado, and I soaked it, a little root. So here's what I was doing while I'm stuck in a wheelchair. Just I'm watching a, an avocado a pit get a root. And then I planted it. And lo and behold, an avocado tree began to grow. Well, even after I healed up, I kept it going. Three years, I, I grew beautiful leaves. Never an avocado. No, I, I read you got to keep it at, at least another 10 years. Maybe if you have an avocado tree, 13, 14 years, you might be able to see some fruit. You might be able to get a harvest after that, after that long so here's the point. I don't know what your weight is from planting to harvesting. The wait can be a little bit longer than we like. Are you waiting for a harvest and it's not coming? You've planted something and you haven't seen the results. What do you do? What do you do? Maybe you've gone through this time of prayer, seed time of prayer, like I mentioned. You're seeking God, you're faithful. You're praying, you're in his word, you're standing firm. And yet that harvest you're seeking in your prayer and in your devotion, it, it just hasn't come. You haven't seen it. What do you do? Is it time to give up? Jesus taught a parable about this. Jesus taught about this idea of the weight. And I share it with you. It's from Luke chapter 13. I've, I've talked about this parable before. It's Luke 13, verses 6 to 9. Just a short little story, a short parable that Jesus taught. And it, it reads this way. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should I use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, the, the greater context of this parable, if you read Luke 13, the greater context is repentance. And the fruit or the lack of fruit on that fig tree in the parable, it represents a harvest of repentance. Jesus was teaching about repentance when he shared this parable. That's the specific context. But there's a general point here 
in this parable that aligns with what we're talking about, sometimes the harvest is slow. Sometimes we might have to wait a little longer than what we anticipated, than what we like. In the parable, the groundskeeper told the landowner, give me another year. Give me another year to tend this fig tree. I'll care for it. I'll nurture it. I'll fertilize it. And you know, that is something we can all take to heart while we're waiting. While we're waiting for some kind of harvest in our life, you might be praying for this very same fruit. You might be praying for the fruit of repentance. Perhaps it's someone close to you, someone you've just been, you know, Lord, they need the gospel. They need to come to you. And maybe you've even planted the seed of the gospel in that life. And you've been asking God, draw that heart, draw that person, bring them to this place of repentance. But you haven't seen the harvest. Is it time to give up? No. We had a a prayer meeting, a special prayer meeting, back in August of 2019. And at that night, we focused on exactly what I just mentioned. Let's pray for people who really need the gospel, people that we might know or we've crossed paths with that need to really turn to Christ and turn their lives over to him, respond to the gospel, repent of their sins, and come to Jesus. And we had a little handout there that described uh, these prayer needs, but we also had a spot that said, write the names down. I wrote down six names. I still have my sheet. I keep it right here in, in, in this binder. And it's a great reminder so that I can just put my hand on there and just pray, Lord, these are the names I wrote down. I wrote them down four years ago now. And I know the seeds that have been planted. I know the prayers that have been prayed. And I know a couple names on this sheet have made strides, they've made progress, they are seeking more of the Lord, even attending a church, but the full harvest has not come. Now, what do I do? I don't want to cut these trees down. Mm -mm. I'm not going to cut those trees down. I'm going to heed the parable. And it, it needs to speak to me a a little deeper, I know it. I know that I have to take it a little more uh, really seriously. That I need to nurture more, I need to fertilize. I have got to ask God, help me to be effective in these lives, these names that I wrote down. If I see these uh, people, if I cross paths with them, God help me. Now some of you have been, maybe you're waiting for something different. Maybe it's a healing, some kind of breakthrough But you've been praying, you have been putting down those seeds of prayer. You've been praying about that or you've been praying for a person. Maybe you've been praying for spiritual revival. I know so many of you have said that to me. Oh, Lord, send the revival. Holy Spirit, move on the entire state, the nation. And you're praying for that. And yet the harvest isn't there. Is it time to give up? No, keep on nurturing that prayer. 
Keep on seeking opportunities to water the seed that you planted. You might feel maybe you're in a flood. Maybe there's a famine or a drought that's come over this that you have been seeking God for. But remember the promise of God. Remember, his promise will not fail you. As long as the earth remains, there will be cold and heat. There'll be summer and winter. The sun is going to rise and set. But there will also be seed time and harvest. God vowed that in his own heart. This is the heart of the Father. It's the heart of the Father. I know that whenever I see a rainbow, that it's a reminder of God's promise. And that's beautiful that so many of you saw a rainbow over the church this morning or a double rainbow. But this morning when the sun rose, that's a reminder of God's promise. Harvest will come because he said, Day and night, there will be day and night. Today when the sun sets, that is a reminder of God's promise. It's a reminder of the vow that he made to his very own heart. There will be a harvest. As long as the earth remains, you can count on the promises of God. He's faithful through every single season. And so why would he fail you now? Why? He won't. He won't. Every day, every day, sun up, sundown, the reminders that God vowed this in his heart. There's going to be a harvest. Do you believe that this morning? Will you take that with you this morning? Are you seeking a harvest from God about something? When the sun is going down tonight, you can recall God's promise, Genesis 8, 22. As long as the earth endures, there will be seed time and harvest. So you can look for it. You can expect it. You can count on it. Keep going. Keep nurturing. Don't cut that tree down. Now let's focus on a reminder. Let's focus on a reminder of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us, what he did for us at the cross. This is the communion table. Communion's a a, a memorial meal. It's another thing Another aspect of our Christian faith where a reminder is involved. We're to call to mind what Jesus did for us. He died. He gave his very own life to pay the penalty for sin. The death penalty was eradicated. Our debt to God because we sin has been taken care of by Jesus Christ at the cross. It's so wonderful when that clicks in a mind when that light bulb goes on in a heart and when people respond. Because then we see, we see people like Matthew who get baptized and they come to Christ. And then, are we perfect? Are we perfect after that? No, we're not. We are to move on onto perfection, but we're not perfect. From time to time, we may miss the mark. And so this communion time is a, just a wonderful opportunity given by God to express that, to remember, remember, to discern what Jesus has done for us and we're, we're, we're taught to discern ourselves, look inside ourselves, examine our own hearts before we receive the bread and uh, drink the cup. So, Thank you, Father, for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this sanctuary. Thank you, Lord, for your promises that are true and everlasting. 
Thank you, God, that you have vowed in your own heart as long as the earth endures. We have these promises that we can hold on to. God, reassure us of that. Lord, I pray that we're confident in that. I pray that as we leave this sanctuary, every single one of us, if we're seeking you for some form of a harvest, for some kind of a result, God, that we would begin to see the fruit developing, that we would begin to be encouraged. Your word is true. Your promises are sure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah, you're a wonderful, wonderful Lord. And we bless your holy name. Uh, Now raise your hands for, for the blessing that God gave to Aaron. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. And may the peace of God that passes our understanding keep every heart and mind and soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.